like it or not, this is the I Don't Get It podcast, the pop culture get off my lawn, one of those casts. This features the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons staring at the prospect of entertainment relevance. I am one of your two co-hosts. My name is Bill Scurry. I'm from American Caesar Enterprises, which, as you all know, is a small-town hardware shop managed for 40 years by the same rotund, mustachioed gentleman named Kenny. And I am joined, as always, by this guy. I am Noah Tarno, the founder and senior quiz master of the Big Quiz Thing, an actual company that provides corporate and private trivia events to clients nationwide, worldwide, these days virtually, but... uh. Hoping to return to in-person in 2021. I, I just love how every time you always, as if it needs to be specified, you always qualify with the, the fact that your business is, is is a real business. Well, because I think the joke would work better if we did the real business than the fake business, which happens when I do the intro, but most of the time you do the intro. Okay. I, maybe I'm defensive. I want people to know, like, this is my actual job. Because yeah, in the past, could, I've gotten That could totally be like, the case, yes, yes. You know, I still remember a few years ago where someone, like, came, I was doing a public event, someone came to the event and afterwards said, so what's your job? This is my job. No, what's your job? I'm like, this is my job. Like, people literally don't believe that I actually do this. So, I, yeah, I get defensive about it, sure, you know. Noah, I'd like to uh, transition. I'm going to pivot to the please, topic this week. Please, um, much like it. Much like pivoting to a completely different style of music on your fifth album. Yeah, imagine if you would do that and how that would su- not have yeah, succeeded any moment before this. Do that. So yeah. the person who recommended this topic is, is a little man we like to call Steve Flack, uh, Noah. Who we we like to call him. We like to call, who, I'm not way, sure I like to call him anything. He not only he not only is not a listener. He may he may well be one of the biggest detractors of this show and of both whoa, of whoa, us whoa, too. Whoa. Has he literally told you he doesn't listen? Oh yeah, no, many times he's he's taken the time. And, and, and what is what is his reasoning? Just to be a dick about it, or because he's not interested, or what is it? I literally haven't. Well, no, I, I have. I have to, I have to assume it's. Like, uh, probably mo- mostly from column A, but then some from column B. Is that he's probably not understood, but then yes, right. he also enjoys. Steve loves to be a dick about these things. So I mean, again, so he he is he is yeah. proudly a non-listener, but he's still giving us suggestions for topics. <laughs> this is really strange, but yeah, you know, it's, okay. it's weird. He does well, like he's to a strange guy. So our our topic this week is a man whose whose Christian name, as they used to call it, his Christian name is Richard Colson Baker, but you may know yeah. him better as Machine. Gun Kelly or MGK. What was the actual name of the the the, the original Machine Gun Kelly, the Prohibition era gangster? I'm just oh, suddenly very his, curious. That, I, I know feel that, like his they, name wasn't Kelly either. No, it was Gary Weinrich. George Kelly Barnes. Gary Weinrich. <laughs> George Kelly Barnes. Very good. By, by the way, you know uh, th- this week Memphis, they Tennessee. named on the the Mandalorian show they named the baby Yoda. They actually reviewed. I heard. Don't tell me I haven't watched it yet. But I right. heard no, I said I, I made a tweet. His saying, name is Carl, right? Yeah. His name is Gary Weinrib was the real, that was really Yoda's <laughs> real name. So MGK, as we're going to call him on the streets, he is a, uh, a 30-year-old rapper turned rock star in his middle age, uh, who's currently a celebrated magician, a me- magician, <laughs> seems like it, <laughs> believe me, that's a Freudian slip, trust me. <laughs> He's a celebrated I'm musician. I'm just now picturing him on stage with like, a hat. <laughs> The and thing is, it's not that much weirder than what he's doing. No, I think, so it's right, really precisely, yeah. I mean, is he much different than being yeah. frozen in a block of ice? Dude, I went and wa- I saw the line of people who saw fucking, what was his name? David, David? Blaine. David Blaine, like when he was buried underground and New Yorkers could wait online to look at him. 
I took a woman there on a date, you know, where I thought I would get lucky. And of course I didn't. It was the dumbest thing I've ever done. It's, Very dumb. it's far from the dumbest thing I've ever done, but it was dumb. Yes. Yeah, so, so this man is a celebrated musician uh, with the world being in right. the shape that it is in currently. So this, this guy, MGK, Machine Gun Kelly, Richard Colson Baker, started over a decade ago. I believe it was 2009, he dropped a single on the world called Alice in Wonderland and a, a follow-up album in 2012 that um, started his process through the bigs. Uh, his album was called Lace Up, uh, and it was led by a track called Lace Up, uh, which was an aggro sort of fight theme, which was incorporated by the WWE. And he continued to put out albums after that. He got more successful with each successive album, as some of these guys do. His albums were first Lace, Lace Up, then Black Flag, General Emission, Bloom, Binge, Hotel Diablo. Currently, <laughs> wasn't had- Bloom the name of the album by Troy Sivan? <laughs> like it could have been. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, right. It confessional was about- guy and Bloom was his song about anal sex. It, it was. Yeah, but that was the- like it feels like it was around the same time. So. Yeah, and and there's nothing could be dip- more different than yeah, yeah a young exactly. queer confession. Well, they they kind of have a similar look. One's like the gay version, and one's like the homeless version. Right. Of like, you know, skinny white guy with stupid hair. The drifter with a with a razor blade who would cut you. Yeah. So his current album, I say current as the most recent, is called Tickets to My Downfall, which we will discuss as a complete pivot for this guy because he's doing, he went from a rap thing to a pop punk thing. Well, actually the last two albums, Hotel Diablo and, and, and Tickets to My uh, Downfall. I feel like, I listened to a couple Hotel Diablo tracks. He was dipping his toes into the right. pop punk, but yeah, he the, wasn't really there yet. Now yeah. he's like, this doesn't sound like rap at all. I'm yeah, no, into more of that. right, exactly. Yeah. And so his, the big influence in his career over the last few years has been that guy, Travis Barker from uh, Blink-182, mm-hmm. uh, who's, who's mm-hmm. I think, the kind of going producer. They, they vibe together, and Travis Barker's a little older than this guy. so they. He's our age. He's yeah, like, right. He's, years he's in his 40s, yeah. exactly. Adding to that, you know, in terms of the gossip pages, the gossip sheets, he has been seen squiring. Sheets! Sheets! Yeah, sheets. <laughs> he's been seen squiring Megan Fox around town so, after her he's, divorce. He's courting Megan Fox. Yeah. yeah, from from Brian Austin Green, and she has appeared in his videos as a muse. And you know, they they on social media they make testimonials to their enduring love, as if they are yes, um, and, Elizabeth Taylor know. and Richard Burton all over again. Yeah. Three three months into a relationship, and it's you know, they're, it's it's they're, yeah, it's it's forever. They're it's Cleopatra like, and Mark Anthony, yeah, Aussie Davis, and uh, what's his, what's his, I forget who Ruby D, yeah, Ruby D, right. Yeah. So um, he's also made forays into acting because it's not enough. You know, you have to be a, a multi hyphenate now. So he was in uh, Beyond the Lights in 2014. He was in The Dirt. He played Tommy Lee yes, in that. He Netflix. played Tommy Lee. Was that good? I wanted to watch that. I'm not Is it my, good? Should not I watch my it? Thing. I don't know. Not my thing. It's not the kind no. of movie I'm going to watch. I'm going to. Adding to my Netflix queue now. And yeah, so Netflix is where he's kind of like, he was in Bird Box in 2018, which is one of the few things we didn't talk about that year that was a huge uh, smash. Uh, and he was on a Showtime show called Roadies in 2019, um, which was Cameron Crowe. Cam- Cameron Crowe, right. And, you know, and just to add a little, uh, little controversy, in 2018, he, he was in a minor beefing incident with uh, Mr. Marshall Mathers, formerly known as Eminem, exchanged some diss tracks. However, no one was hurt. Uh, all bystanders made it out there uh, with their life. Who would have thought because Eminem will kill you just as soon as he'd look at you? So that is the, the grounding. And I'll tell you, you know, I mean, me and Noah were having this conversation before we went hot on the mics. I had only heard about this guy when Steve Fleck mentioned. I honestly had no idea what the fuck this guy was. I mentioned to my wife and my wife says, oh yeah, that guy. I'm like, how the fuck do you know who this guy is? And I don't. Such is the silo, the age of the silo we're living in. But but Noah, tell me, what was your uh, what were your findings from the Machine Gun Kelly uh, exposition? Here's what I like about Machine Gun Kelly. 
most musicians would be, you know, 10 years, four albums in. And it sounds like his last album, Hotel Diablo, was a bit of a was a bit of a, a bump in the road. It wasn't as critically acclaimed as this earlier stuff. The Eminem feud didn't go over so well. I mean, most musicians would just double down on that or fade away or something like that. And he shifted gears radically. He not only said, I'm going to try something new, but he also, you know, to give him credit, he, he followed his muse and that I like pop punk. This is what I want to do. This is the direction I want to move as an artist. I'm going to move in that direction. Travis Barker, by the way, is stunningly talented. I've recently been rediscovering uh, the Blink-182 breakthrough album, 1999, Enema of the State, which is fucking brilliant. Start to finish, that is an amazing album. It's the best pop-punk album of the 90s. And Travis Barker is a stunningly good drummer. I don't really have much credit to say whether he's a good producer. He does play drums on these songs. So Travis Barker is a talented fucking dude. One of the songs in the new album, you know, he has as everyone does these days, he has guests, he has Halsey. I like Halsey quite a bit. I think she's a very good singer. She's got a unique voice. She's got a unique persona. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of hers, but I, I dig her. He shifts gears. He follows his muse. He he tries something new. This is, this is better than a lot of musicians. And he works with good collaborators. So thumbs up to that. But the music is, I don't want to say shit, but it's bad. I listen to some of his rap stuff. And again, as I said, every time we've encountered anything about hip hop here, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert. I come at it from a very untutored point of view. But I think his early stuff was kind of interesting. I thought Cleveland was interesting. I like the, it's, it's funny. I did an event last week for, um, a virtual event for a group of people in Cleveland. Damn, I wish I knew about this this Machine Gun Kelly song because it's about Cleveland being awesome, and I would have made jokes about that too. So good on him. He's represent. He's from Cleveland. He's represented his city. It's not the same city that every other rapper's talking about. Uh, I think Alice in Wonderland has a really interesting sound. So to the extent I understand hip hop, that early stuff seems kind of cool to me. But then you get to the later stuff. The Eminem diss track is just sounds like such stupidity. Like. I have mixed feelings about Eminem. I think he's really talented. I think he's really original, but I think he seems like a real dummy and a real asshole to me. These two idiots sniping at each other just seems like, you know, morons screaming in the sandbox. Like, And then you read interviews of Machine Gun Kelly, and he doesn't seem like a bad guy, but he doesn't seem very smart, and he seems pretty full of himself. So then you get to this new album in the pop punk, and that's something I feel like I have more authority to speak about. My favorite rock band ever is the creators of pop punk, which is the Buzzcocks. The Buzzcocks are one of the greatest rock bands fucking ever. And every pop punk since then is just Xeroxing the Buzzcocks. Uh, Green Day admitted to that. This music sounds like warmed over bad Blink-182. He doesn't have a good voice. For some reason, he thinks he needs to sing with a British accent, even though he's from Cleveland. The hooks are very pedestrian. The guitar playing is pedestrian. I mean, he's got Travis Barker to kick ass on the drums, but that goes only so far. The lyrics are sub-morotic. Absolutely stupid. The song Bloody Valentine, the first single with the video with, with um, Megan Fox, is just the biggest cliches about being in love. You're my bloody Valentine. Dude, bloody Valentine means you're having a bad relationship. You want to go all the way back to the, the name, name of a band. horror movie. A name of a well, band he never listened yeah. to. Right, and the band took its name from a horror movie about someone murdering people on Valentine's Day. He's got no idea what he's talking about. The song, uh, another single, my ex, my my best friend, no, my best friend's girl. He's not covering the cars. Although that would be interesting. The ex of my best best friend. What's it called? It shows you how much I paid attention. The lyrics are so fucking stupid. Oh my god, so dumb, and they're just they're predicated on a really cursory, half-assed interpretation of Blinken 182 at their best. This guy is just a big pile of cliches. 
apparently he's getting a lot of critical praise for this, so shows what I understand. This is interesting. This album, you know, came out in September. It's the first rock album to hit number one in 2020, which just shows you how different mainstream pop music has moved since we were kids. Did he write? He's directed a musical movie based on this album that is being released in January. How the fuck are people filming this stuff in 2020? Oh, uh, well, they're, I, again, they're just throwing it to the wind, you know? The caution is going to the wind. Uh, but this is the problem. This is the goddamn problem. It is totally the problem. No one's going to argue that with you on this show, believe me. Yes. Anyway, so that, I'm sure that'll be a delight in every way. Um, <laughs> you know, just everything about this guy looks like a cliche. He's six and a half feet tall. He's got these bony cheekbones. He's covered in stupid tattoos. What's the album called? My Tragic Downfall? Yes. Um, yeah, and that's the name of the movie too. Or like Downfall High is the or movie. It's ticket, tickets to my downfall. Tickets to tickets my downfall. to my downfall. Yeah. Thank you. It's God. I'm really disengaged. I'm on vacation this week, folks. He's not horribly offensive. You know, he might not be a bad guy. He had a tough upbringing, so he's got a viewpoint from which to speak about tragedy and pain. So I give him that credit. Maybe he's really in love with Megan Fox. Maybe she's really in love with them. And love is nice to see in this world. I don't think this is malicious, horrible stuff. It's really not good. Dude, fucking listen to a Buzzcocks album. Listen to a Blink-182 album. Listen to a Green Day album. Listen to so much other music. Everything you said was correct. At the same time, am I going to hammer the new generations for having this be their standard bearer no they can listen to it that's fine i'm just like it's just not good like i'm not upset about it i'm just like no i agree with uh. you at the beginning of this podcast again the things the horrors that i've seen uh as the host of this co-host of this podcast um People, people don't even know what, what I've had to look at. You know, I've, I've gazed into the abyss and it's gazed back at me. <laughs> so I've seen some art that I would, I just can't believe in any other era would somehow be championed as the, as the leader of its field. And yet we are talking about Post Malone. We are talking about these guys. Regardless of whether there's inborn talent, I always think that it's minus inspiration and it's minus refinement. So, you know, people are able to excel based on the fact that music sounds different now than it did 30 years ago. I mean, and like I said, I can't get angry at that because it's a generational thing. Like you start off by praising him and I will say, I, I, I believe this guy has skill and that's the part of it that you can't take away from him because he rapped very fast. He flows pretty well. He gets a lot of credit. Yeah, yeah but... Yes, but it's cliche. It sounds oh, like every other rapper yes, of that ilk. It does, and he's imita- the thing is, yes. everything about him is an imitation. Nothing is original about this. But you know, we are living in a world of simulacra. Everybody is imitating the thing they saw beforehand without even attempting to smudge the origin. So let's just postulate that up front. You all understand that. You get it, Noah. I get it. So let's move on from that. Let's talk about how he does and not what he does, because I think what he does is a complete carbon it's a mimeograph of what came before him you know and and this is a guy who thinks that oh i'm just going to repeat something i heard two weeks ago and it's no one's going to remember that like i'm just going to recapitulate it and sell it that's my influences are things that are just almost immediate and again the music world celebrates that they they love that that it's predicated on completely digesting the immediate past giving it right back to you and forgetting where it came from instantly there's no shelf life for any of this stuff again it's like he makes his pop punk which i can't stand pop punk i think pop punk is for me oh you're so wrong. i think it's trash i can't listen to six seconds of it i'm not oh, saying it's bad i'm saying i don't like it and i can't tell whether or not whether it's good pop punk or bad pop punk but it's like i can tell it's terrible it's terrible it has the sort of hooky catchiness it's adroit in some way and that it you know it's it's being celebrated for some reason that the market is currently exalting and the same thing with his rap apparently this guy did i think it was 2007 2008 he went to the apollo 
and passed. Yes, and he won. Yes, yeah, he was right. the first he white passed the Apollo. the Apollo. And that's also a strange story, too. <laughs> so, so there's something to that. Um, you know, like I may not like it, but that doesn't mean, you know, that it's not valid or good or worthy or something like it just means I don't fucking hate I don't, I don't like it. And I, I was never gonna like this. The whole point. We're not we're not doing this podcast to say I like this. We're doing the podcast to discuss why it's popular and what the deal is. Well, we are saying no, we're we're asking both of those questions. Here's my my problem with it. You did bring yes. this up, and I as as I, I know Noah Tarno, which is the same way Bill Scurry would. His whole style, the one thing that really bothers me about pop these days and pop culture at least is this the Cali sleaze style. You know, there's that Pete Davidson, Adam Levine look of the sort of scrawny white guy who's like bone thin. The Iggy Pop yeah. build covered with... Yeah, the but blue. this guy is... He's like really tall. He's like six foot five or something. Yeah, but, I'm, but I mean, it's like Pete Davidson's also tall too, covered in scrawled tattoos. You know, the torso ink and the full sleeves and the neck tattoos and all that. Like, again, that, that something about that sleaze. And that's Travis Barker. His style, he was doing that 15 years before this guy was. You know, and Adam Levine is the sort of... Is the, is the kind of Beverly Hills, you know, spoiled rich kid version of that too. But it's still the same... You know, we are going out and doing this like sleazy thing where it's like I look kind of dangerous because my you know I'm inked, but it's like there's there's a sex appeal to this for women and maybe maybe for some guys too. But it's also the the sort of disobedience of the tattooing your whole your whole self and doing the bleach blonde hair. You know, so much about the image the Machine Gun Kelly puts out to me is that rebellious thing where it's like I get it, you're 30 and all you've done every single day of your life since you were 12 was tell your parents how much you're you're saying no to them. I get it. Yeah, your parents yeah. were missionaries. They dragged around the world you were in the middle east you no were- his mother abandoned him oh his mother abandoned him okay yeah no i look this guy ha- has a story to tell part of what i liked about eminem is that eminem half of it was his fault but it sounds like he had a story to tell and he was telling it and but i Jen- give a lot of credit there I think Eminem fucking read J.D. Salinger at one point. He might have read a book. A machine con Kelly. I'm not saying that that's the, you know, you don't have to read something from the canon, but I think that Machine Gun Kelly was what it looks like when you don't have any kind of cultural information other than pop influences that come into you. There's there's no grounding of anything. It's just completely ephemeral ideas. You, know, you're th- you think you're the first person to think of these original ideas. Right, yeah. right, right. That, you know. that interview in Interview Magazine. Was that the one I with just, Dave, Dave Franco? Was that the Dave that? Franco interviews yeah. him and he just, what was this saying? I don't like acting because they give you too many, too many things to do. Like, don't smoke in your trailer. Would you tell Picasso how to paint? Like, look, I was impressed he had heard of Picasso and knew he was a painter. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. where the strong at? Right there, right there. Why is this a hit now? Pretty audacious. Like the credit I gave him, pretty audacious. You shift the gears like this, and it sounds like it, it worked from a marketing. I mean, not from an artistic perspective, in our opinion, but from a marketing perspective, it worked. I mean, you could you can imagine a scenario where like people are like what Machine Gun Kelly thinks he's a pop punk guy now. This shit sucks, and like he becomes a joke. But you know, he's riding high. He's on the cover of Spin Magazine, which I didn't even know still existed. Uh, and he was on the American Music. He played on the American Music Awards again. How is this stuff happening? How? <laughs> you're right. You're right, man. When you're right, you're right. You I go remember, to pick up. Remember... A, I go to pick up a fucking hamburger. Take out of the place. The place, all the seats are piled up. Everyone's wearing masks. You got to go through all these procedures to pick up dinner. But the TV's on, and they're just people playing football. Like what? Like don't these people know? There's a. Am I the only one whose yeah. life has been limited? Obviously not. 
Do you but remember like, what are people doing? Do you remember when House Jesus. of Pain switched from uh, Jump Around <laughs> House to of um, Pain. No, seriously, House of Pain with Everlast was the guy who was he did that guitar yes. ballad What It's Like where it that's was him. That's a good song. I, I mean, I I don't I didn't I don't I, that's exactly the thing I hate that it, sort of It was it was a hit. It, it was a hit. Well, yes. that was that was in my music criticism days. I interviewed him twice related to that. See, song. there you go. That's why he was so big is cuz Noah Turner got a hold of him. But you know, like yes, he, he, I was I was the music king in 1999 i i hated that song i didn't like house of pain when they were doing jump i i got why each of those things was popular and again i'm trying to divorce jump around jump around jump Jump was the crisscross that's true this is popular i think now again i'm I'm doing this with the 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 rabbit bunny quotes on each side of the microphone when i say this he's got talent okay his music is solidly in the pop lane which which that or that particular pop lane which at the moment is the coin of our realm whether it's the rap or pop I, I kind of, and this is the thing, I don't think it's as audacious to change because so many people go from, from genre to genre now where it doesn't really make a difference anymore. I, it's blatantly forgettable. It's designed for the millisecond that they release it. And I and I don't think those are bad qualities. I mean, I would say they're bad qualities, but it is it is literally blandly forgettable. None of this stuff is designed to stick around. Um, and that's the point. Just like fucking Netflix movies are not designed to stick around. They're designed, the Queen's Gambit is designed to be talked about last month and you're never going to hear about it again pop culture today is supposed to be completely ephemeral it's it's designed to be supplanted in the next minute like dry ice it just turns to vapor goes away and there's the next chunk of it in front of you that's the design that's what it's supposed to be so this fits in perfectly where it could be a, a, a you know a huge you know gold certified record up front and it's going to be completely gone from the next thing comes out i don't want to de-emphasize this whole the whole sort of cali sleazy bad boy thing that he's got going on um and how much that's still the idea that you know like a tattooed person is supposed to scandalize parents that are our age and or older it's it's still supposed yeah. to make us feel like oh my god pearl clutch pearl clutch and so everybody oh, does it god. i still remember when my mom asked me in my 20s do any of your friends have tattoos i'm like are you kidding she's like why i'm like uh probably half of them yeah and fully she was stunned fully half of them right, so right. and that's you think about parents now probably half of them have tattoos right but it's but his his tattoos are still supposed to scandalize that generation right. i mean the only reason right. you get your entire trunk done your your and full sleeves and all that shit is so that you're supposed to look like you're audacious it's supposed to look like you are refuting you're supposed to look like you're on heroin i think he has a heroin look heroin yeah, chic that too. look that too. which well, is different than the heroin chic look of the 90s yeah that skinny almost quasi androgyne bleach blonde you know uh, river yeah. phoenix in my private idaho kind of look yeah. that like that trick yeah. look that's still it's so divorced from the moment that we understand it from and now it's like it's it's floating on its own but we understand where it came where it came from like he's still supposed to appeal to fixed 15 year old girls in middle class suburbs who who can't you know who can't meet guys like this? Who are supposed to look at him? And that's why Pete Davidson's got that big dick energy. Those those guys have that sleazy, just woke up, have not read a book since 1998 look, and that's <laughs> that's supposed to be their thing. You know, like when like, he was when he was three years old or uh, eight years old. Eight years old, yeah. I mean, you know, I guess you read that makes sense. Pop on yeah. pop. He didn't even read that yeah. for Christ's sake. Eight years know? old. No, you read better stuff at eight. All right. Well, here's where I'm going to disagree with you a little, and I'm going to defend pop punk as a genre you say it's supposed to be ephemeral it's supposed to fade away you know i think a lot of cultures like that but i think the value of a lot of pop music a lot of rock music and pop punk especially that it isn't ephemeral that you know there's the term a hook 
right? The whole idea of pop music and especially pop punk is that it's hooky. And hook is an interesting metaphor. The idea is it gets its hooks in you. And then I think the really good music like that and that Blink-182 album, I Will Praise to the Skies from 1999, Enema of the State is a good example of that, is that it speaks to you, is that the subject matter is hooky in its own way. It connects with you as a teenager, as a young adult, as I was at the time. And that these things really, oh my God, he's, he's talking about my life. And I really think he's trying to do that with that. That my friend's ex or whatever the song is called. It's this faux, like, deep, oh my God, this is wrong because he used to date my friend and the night I kissed you and then he blow out of nowhere. He goes, in New York City. Like, that is relevant at all to anything. And I think it fails in that regard. It doesn't speak to me. Maybe it speaks to a 15-year-old now. Maybe it speaks to a dummy. It just seems so manufactured and not honest. I have always said the cardinal sin of pop music is when it's not honest where it has to sound like, yeah, you could sing la 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 la. If I believe you that la 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 is really what you're feeling, you've succeeded. So this music doesn't seem honest to me. Or maybe it's like honest from a dummy's point of view, which doesn't speak to me because I don't think of myself as a dummy. He's dipping his toes in something that's supposed to be a little less than ephemeral, and he's fucking failing. Now, I haven't answered the question. Why is, he, why is it popular? I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm old, and this does speak to young people. I think more likely... They haven't heard Blink-22 or Green Day or the Buzzcocks. Or maybe those things just at this point have an old sound that they can't get past and they need the sound of... But again, I can't tell a difference between these songs and, uh, you know, Blink-22 from 12 years ago. Yeah, but you, you got the thousand-yard gaze. You know, that's the beauty of being at the, the age we right. are and the sort of, you know, right. wizened cultural right. they can, they can see They can see the little differences. I just think it sounds like Blink-22 from their fallow period. Uh, so, you know, I feel like this is a genre that even when done badly has the ability to really speak to people. Let's go back. Why was he big as a rapper? Yeah, he's got the bad boy look that always appeals to people. The rapid fire delivery is impressive, even if you dig beneath the surface and there's nothing particularly original about it. I, maybe I'm wrong here, but that, especially that song Lace Up, a problem that I have with that is he was repeating verses, like repeating the same lyrics. And I feel like most hip hop doesn't do that. They repeat hooks and choruses, right? But, like, he repeated entire verses. Yeah, I mean, some, I some like, do that. Some do that, you know. Really? I, I well, also, know, in, in that song, he was saying the lines, but then Lil John was coming in doing it harder. I'm like, oh, dude, you're getting, yeah. like, upstage in your song with more energy from Lil John. As much as you But doesn't that always happen? They have they have a little guest. They have the guest kind of do, you know, the, the harder stuff. Like, don't yeah, they I know. It's not, it's, I mean, it's like I remember the sound of Lil John on that song more than him with his machine gun. He just had a soft flow, but it was it was, it was was quick. But Lil John had more power. So, I, again, what do I know what I'm talking about other than just how it felt? You know, yeah. you know more than me. Good on him. He shifted gears. He tried something new. He followed his heart, as it were. Um, you know, the gossip thing with Megan Fox, that's got to be great for his career. I mean, you know, so he's made some savvy moves. I mean... Whether it was all calculated, doesn't seem that way to me. Maybe he's just lucky. Or maybe, you know, I don't give him enough credit. Maybe the guy's an artist. Maybe the guy's a real artist. He just doesn't speak to me. Noah, would you have liked this when you were a kid? I think I might know the answer, actually. So I feel like if I were 12 or 13 or 14, uh, I'd like the pop punk. I think it was a, a revelation. And I'd like to think that would lead me to the better stuff. You know, give me a year beyond that and I'm listening to Green Day, maybe even the Buzzcocks. But it would be one of these things a few years later, I'm like, really? You thought that song was so badass or it was so heartfelt, was so awesome, was so hooky? Like, dude, you, you need to learn better. Right? Like I think of some of the stuff I thought was so hard-edged and cool 
when I was 12. Right, but you're, you're not going to really was You're not going to scorn the young Noah because, you know, you're building a taste. How the hell are you? No, that's fine. Yeah. Right. So maybe view this as, a, as an entryway. But yeah, right. He just strikes me. So like, look at the photos of him. He just, he kind of looks like he's trying too hard, you know, sitting there with the baggy clothes and the unlaced boots. Like, maybe he's just a dummy and he doesn't get it. Like, read that interview with Dave Franco. Like, I did. It's dumb. It's fucking, it's fucking dumb. He doesn't get it. At the same time, you he know. Thinks like, he, he thinks he's a real artist. Like, yeah. he thinks he's, he, I mean, whatever. He might be a perfectly decent guy. He doesn't sound malicious. He thought he was a real artist when he's in 19. Some of the sound drops for this episode are going to be clips of him you know he, he did extensive recording of his tours when he was 19 that's just him running his mouth endlessly on camera which is what everybody does you know they blog to camera they, you know you don't catch it on your video recording device of some sort and it didn't happen and i'm sure that when he was 19 he thought he was a real artist he thought he had this uh, yeah man i've been alive forever and i have all this experience and and here's here's why i have to make my art in the world and it's like well when you're 30 does he look back on what he said when he was 19 and, and does that make him cringe? Is he, is he still in that same headspace? Uh, well, you tell me. Would you have liked this when you were a kid? No. Nah, there's, no, there's no way, right? No, not, not for a single second. I mean, the thing is, it's like both his image and his sound, they were lab designed to turn me off. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, there, I, I will make a case for the young Tarno and the young people of the world where I understand, yeah, for the reason you said, what did we listen to when we were 12 or 13 when we were building our tastes? The most elementary of things, and granted in 1988, 1989, that might have been a different sound. That might have been one generation removed or there might have been some inspiration in it. That'd be harder to find now, not that there isn't great art. But I mean, I'm always trying to be charitable to the young version of us. When I was this age, you know, the age we're talking about, no, I mean, I used Asian for instance to go back and find yes and van de Graaff yeah generator. well that's that's no. a time-honored thing right they said rappers never make it at the apollo so this is a very dumb choice the guy right in front of me who's 48th he was a rapper too and as soon as he started rapping they were like next then i came up and i won first place and that was my first music check 45 bucks so bill is a <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just I'm looking forward to this. Uh the success of uh Machine Gun Kelly, the success of his radical stylistic change, his relationship with Megan Fox, or even the fact that you had never heard of him till you know, ye old Steve Flack pointed him out to you. Is any of that a sign of the apocalypse? <laughs> ye old Steve Flack. Like if, if I had just emerged from cryonic stasis, if I was just thawed and given a new body where my head was transplanted on to cure whatever disease I came from, and I, I, I shuddered to life in the year 2020, I, I might be inclined to say that. You know, me and you, we both we, witnessed such horrors uh, in the process of making this podcast that, you know, the, the average horrors. listener. Yeah, the average listener couldn't believe. I've, I've seen Chithulu and Lovecraftian things in the making of this show. So I've, I've become completely inured to, to totally phony, transient, what, or I say what I, what I deem as being phony and, and transient pop music. And also, as a larger point, the cynical age, which I don't think you can argue, the cynical age that we live in and the cynical age in which, you know, art, things that are called art, things that are called commerce, the sort of, you know, faded line between the two of those things. So, no, just because we've seen so many other objects on planet Earth that resemble Richard Colson Baker and, and the complete myopia, the complete lack of any heritage, I can't get angry at this guy for doing it if we've talked about this very same subject a hundred times before. You know, and I keep bringing up Post Malone because that was one of those things that really made me it it did it got under my skin talking about post because post seemed to have no um he was post malone said the exact same things that this kid says and his music i think was exactly the same type of music to me i mean i i can't listen i can't discern a difference i'm not saying it is it's just to oh, me. oh i can yeah i know Even you can the rap yeah he's way less hard and more like 
but his know, his whole smoking thing, weed sitting around kind yeah, of yeah you know but the fucking tattoos on his eyelids and all that horse shit well he's so his image is style yeah the, the the figure you know the guy who looks like he hasn't bathed in months no I'm with you there yeah yeah but I I, I his music way up never mind that post Malone isn't playing pop punk you know no. hasn't done that genre shift so no there's not an apocalypse to this just because it's so you know this is the weird thing it's so run-of-the-mill compared to so many other things like this is just essentially what a lot of pop music is which is adult people matured people who are approaching middle age don't listen to pop music because it's kind of like i i'm sure somebody does but i think it's really difficult to get in there because it, it is designed to turn you off to some degree it's supposed to be so different from your cultural moment that you're supposed to have no idea what you're looking at. And it works. I mean, it does exactly that. But it's not an apocalypse, though. Yeah, no, not apocalypse. I mean, just because I don't get it, that's the point, because I'm old now, right? Here's what's apocalypse. I like, literally, not literally not heard of this guy, but almost literally not heard of this guy. He's been around for 10 years, and he's been a big star, and now I'm finding memes about him. And like, how did I not know about this guy? No, you're right. Like, it's wild, How right? divorced am I from reality? Maybe this is my epic, but I just feel like it used to be stars like that were household names. Like, again, he's he's full of shit. But like he said in an interview, like he and some other rapper he works with, he loves. He's like, we're the mod, you know, we're today's Jimi Hendrix and Elton John. And like, even putting aside whether or not they're as talented as those people, which, come on. In the 70s, Joe Schmo on the street knew who Elton John was. You know, he was a household name, right? Yeah. Now he's, your grand, uh, he's your grandfather's generation now. I guess there's a good chance Jimi Hendrix really didn't get household name until after he was dead. Baby boomers, like the culture was like an egg moving through a snake, right? Like they dominated culture wherever they went. If Jimi Hendrix stole the show at Woodstock, you know, of course he was going to be a household name because every household centered on the people at Woodstock or the people that age or the people in that cohort. The fact that someone could be so big and be unknown to us, never mind our parents, no, never you're mind, right, you're right, yeah. you know, people our age who make no effort to keep up with stuff. Honestly, like, this might be a problem. Like, this is like, <laughs> well, no, no, let's drift into politics for a minute, right? Uh -huh. I was talking about this with my family yesterday. My nephew, man, he's crazy. He's like, yeah, I went on to One American Network yesterday just to read what people are saying. I'm like, dude, don't do that. Don't That's do a bad that. Idea. Yeah, kid, don't do it. Look, he, he's not going to believe any of that crap. He's... He said he saw an interview with a woman where she was like, I just, it's impossible that Biden won fairly because nobody I know supports him. I'm like, well, yeah, because she's in a fucking bubble. I mean, look, I could say no one I know supports Trump. It's not 100% literally true, but it's close to it. These are the bubbles we're in, and this is the problem. People can't possibly believe, you know, they literally think Biden is a babbling maniac because they're in a bubble where that's the only input they get right people could say the same things about us with trump but we're actually just watching videos of him speak that are undoctored but, yeah, but they're they, the they, same thing they don't so. believe the concept of the bubble is the difference we we understand the bubble yeah. and we're we're yeah. you know delighting in it but it's not we're not refuting the existence <laughs> of all the bubbles anyway my point is i think the fact that there are these bubbles which is a consequence of you know, media balkanization, which is a consequence of the internet. I think that's a real problem because people can't agree on what reality is. You know, I mean, I, I could see people saying Machine Gun, nobody knows who Machine Gun Kelly is. Well, we've learned that's not true. Even if we didn't know what he is, it's not nobody. You know, it used to be there were three TV networks and PBS. And yes, we're overlooking that, you know, minorities had their own little subcultures and I'm sure there were plenty of people who weren't mainstream white weren't listening to the Beatles in 1964. There used to be an agreed-upon culture. There is no America anymore, other than as a government, 
because there's just no American culture. We are so different from one another. That's a problem, and I think this is a tiny, tiny, relatively non-consequential microcosm of that. Oh, fuck that. I, I would have a fucking monkey, I would pay a monkey trainer to train the fucking monkey before we went on the road, and the fucking monkey would just fucking go back, because monkeys are so small and aerobatical that they fucking can just maneuver to the back of the fucking trunk where the munchies are stored at in the cooler. No, well, let's yeah. close this show out by talking about jealousy. Is there anything about Machine Gun Kelly that, that stirs jealousy in you? The fact that somehow in 2020 he can start dating a new girlfriend and be in love. I mean, even apart from the fact that I'm undateable, like how the fuck does that even work? I don't know. I mean, it's... I wish my heartfelt rock musings were selling a ton of records because I know this sounds obnoxious, but... I'll say it anyway. I could probably write a better pop punk song than Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, I wouldn't want to date Megan Fox, though. She's not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, I mean... Also, you know- she sounds like she's crazy. Sounds like she's crazy, too. We were talking about that before we got on the mic. She said something like, I'm bisexual, but I could never be with a woman because I don't like men and women have been sexually with men. Like, yeah, it, it's huh? a, that's a tortured chain of logic. How I, does that work? I can't dispute. So therefore, that. I'm only with men. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I I would be completely jealous of this guy, and I mean it's weird for me to say that, but as much as I'm trying to grasp the image that he puts out and the sound as a little quadratic equation to balance his, his fame and his notoriety and the, and the money that he's got on top of that. This is the kind of guy who I know that, you know, the unspoken thing for me and Noah is that this guy would have been laughed out of the room in 89. You know, he, he would have been uh, merc- merciless. He would have been, but he would have been such a different type of character in 89. I'm saying he would have followed such if somebody, a different template. If somebody looked like this that was your classmate in 1989, we were 14 years old. This oh, person, I see. Not, not a celebrity like this. A no, guy right. Actually, no, yes, the, the yes. look of it. It's like this right. would have been laughed out of the room. There, it would have, and I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that was a that was a consequence. It was just the state of the, the state of the union. That's all it was. 55 years later, from 1989, here we are, and you got this this huge pop star who projects that same skeevy to me, sleazy California suburban sleazy image. I think that he gets he's cracked some kind of code. This is the currency, the sort of sexual appeal currency in today's day and age to look like something that to me that you know johnny pocket square it's such an anathema to me <laughs> this is the complete opposite of that and it's just amazing that you know he's not even that strange he's not even that much of an outlier he's just you know along the line of this whole product model of people who are in pop culture today and i could also say it's like on top of all this this fucking guy gets to be in movies high profiles and direct his own movie as if somehow being direct movies yeah somehow being a half shitty speed rapper just entitles you to be an actor and a director and it's like you know that is a real sign of the fact that there's so much stuff needed to to fill the huge the thresher is picking up all this wheat and chaff of media that you just have to give this rapper guy something to make and, and you know that's going to put him over the top that's right that's amazing yeah so that's what i'm jealous this is what i mean to say i don't mean to say talented people work with me but i can get that but like he can get a meeting and he can get taken seriously by every corner of the entertainment industry and like i couldn't get doors open so where would you where would you put this on the felonious scale no where does this land for you you know i was reminded of uh one topic i was reminded of is greta van fleet i think the knock on them was they were like modern you know, blurry Xerox of Led Zeppelin. So I'm going to say these guy, this guy is modern, moderner, blurry Xerox of um, Blink-182. Although imagine if Greta Van Fleet's drummer were John Bonham, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. Right. If, he, if, got, he got Blink-182's drummer. Uh, if he actually got the guy. Point, Jason, uh, which is sad, which makes me think for all of Travis Parker's 
talent, he's he might be a real dumbass. So yeah, they're like Greta Van Fleet with a dollop of post Malone. So where does that put it? It puts it at the ugh, but like I'm not gonna be stay up at night worrying about it getting more successful. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Where, um, wherever that puts it on our little XYZ axis, you do the math. I couldn't help divorce myself from the image of Lana Del Rey, who, who had been one of my <laughs> most, most hated figures in this. And I, I got to yeah, rank You really my, don't like her, man. Lana Del Rey is at the bottom. I tell you, but there's a reason for this. It's not just, not, you know, I, I think the problem, Lana Del Rey got sniped at for a lot of people. That was purely just misogynist terms. Again, that's the Megan Fox thing too, just to slightly digress. But I think Lana Del Rey is someone who was completely about the image and succeeded in spite of what I would say obvious flaws, structural flaws and drawbacks, championed by a very hard I know group. some smart people who oh, yeah. love her. Yeah, me too. I me too. I know. I, I don't get it either. And I, I don't bring it up. You know, and the thing is with Lana Del Rey, I hated the music. I hate, you know, and I hated the influence. I hated the, the image that they were putting forth. I thought that it was completely disingenuous and hollow. And it was just based on movies that she'd seen and cartoons that she'd watched and TV shows that she thinks she saw over her shoulder when she was younger. And she made a whole way of life out of it. And I think that MGK is the same thing where... It's it's a yeah smudgy 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 uh, what is it called a palimpsest I believe would be the term yeah yeah something like that yeah, yeah. A Samus dad or a palimpsest the idea that's like this is just such a, a deviation from the original that you know if no one's seen the original they have no idea that there's you know, erased pencil behind the you know the image here's the thing are we going to keep hearing about this guy or is he just going to fade away because I feel like sometimes we talk about these topics and we're I can't believe I've never heard of this person and then like. Then we start seeing them everywhere, or maybe like we literally now. Nah, well, this guy's really big. I'm stunned he's big. Also, here's another stupid thing. Wasn't it the '90s when every rapper was naming themselves after a gangster? Yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, isn't this guy living it? Like people still doing that now? They just have these random names that don't make sense, like Juice World. Yeah, I, I don't think that he knows who Machine Gun Kelly was. I think he merely just heard the name and thought, oh, I spit like a machine gun, so I'm going to call myself Yeah, that, that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. No, it's, it's completely right. divorced from the original. All right, enough of that. Take us home, Bill. Great. So if you'd like to find past episodes Great. of our show, look on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us, Noah and Bill. Don't get it at gmail.net. Give us a review. Gmail.com. Sorry, not .net. Gmail.net? I don't know. Yeah, Gmail. G- gmail.edu gmail.ca give us a review on Apple Podcasts that's how people find podcasts I am on Twitter I am at William Scurry I'm doing all my business there you can find my video production uh, uh, essays that I'm putting out right now the series called American Caesars about topics and film I just recently dropped a magnum opus about Brad Dourif, one of my favorite actors, and maybe he's one of your favorites too so look on youtube.com slash amcaesar for more of that now here's Noah here is Noah. Uh, yeah, talked about at the beginning, the big quiz thing. Um, holiday season is busy, but there's always room for you. Virtual holiday trivia parties, the best in the business. Bigquizthing.com. Uh, learn more. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Grazie. Well, until next week, we, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2020.